of the German man that he had the thin cock. All right. It's just such well, a way to describe it too. Like it's not a small, it's thin. thin <laughs> like a pencil. Like a piece of paper. <laughs> a piece of paper. A piece of paper. <laughs> I finally watched. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today I finally watched The Favorite. So this has actually been in my roster for like a while. I'm like, we have to do The Favorite. David's never seen it. It's a really good film. I really liked it when I saw it. It got nominated for a bunch of stuff. Uh, and it won Best Actress for that year. I think it was 2017. And yeah, it... Well, it was the tw- it came out in 2017 and one in in 2018. Um, IMDb says 2018. Now I'm confused. Well, yeah. Anyways, the point is, is that um, I knew you would like this, and and as we discussed before getting on, you did like this. So I what, did. what what was your overall thoughts about it? So it's interesting. So the director of this is Yorgos Lanthimos. And the only other thing I've seen of his is Dogtooth, which I believe is his first movie, or at least his his big break. Um, And that is an interesting movie about like a family that kind of keeps their kids secluded from the outside world. It has like a lot of sex in it. Sex seems like unsimulated. Um, It's just like an it's just an interesting aspect of the movie, especially when you watch it, you're like that seems really fucking real. But the, the other point about his, his, he has like a certain, a certain style of, of the way his films look, but also just the, the humor, like the, the dark, like just like the feel of it, the vibe, if you will. Um, and sure. this is kind of definitely in line with that, but, it's funny, I was reading that like they had to keep the budget pretty low for this movie, but this feels like a pretty fucking, like, I wouldn't have, if you told me the budget was, like, huge, I would have been like, that, you know, that makes sense, because it looked really good. Um, But I guess they were just kind of, you know, if you, did a good job of keeping the cost down. You know, you saying that, if you think about it, think back to, like, how many set pieces there actually were in this movie, I could see them eliminating a few or like consolidating a few to like um the queen's bedroom um the outside like gun range thing they keep coming back to that like two or three times during the movie um and then like one of those hallways dressed differently and shot at like different angles could look like an entirely different hallway like the hallway outside the queen's bedroom versus the hallway where she like yells at the choir kids to like stop that could be the same with just like a different sort of dressing or or they could have just like rented out like a studio wing for that sort of thing well, so, so in a i could see it it was all filmed like on location i think in one spot basically or in, in a couple places um, oh, like, in a, the, like in a faux castle sort of thing yeah so the main location it's called hatfield house in hertfordshire england just knew that off the top of my head mm-hmm. um And if you think about it, like, so almost every Olivia Coleman scene is in that place. Um, The shooting 
could have easily been done outside of that. But I mean, so I, I just looked it up. The budget of this is estimated at 15 million. Um, wow. So, and it made, it looks like it says it made 95 worldwide. So it's fucking pretty impressive. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the nominations too. Like once something got, gets nominated and it goes back in theaters, but um, back to the movie. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, it's really funny. And for the most part, when I, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, man, it's so weird that like almost an out and out comedy would get, you know, these nominations and have like a best actress win. But even then, even through the comedy, you see these scenes with Olivia Coleman and she's like, you know, fucking fantastic in this. Um, and everyone else is as well. But the movie definitely takes a turn from the comedic, right? Like the tone of it kind of shifts throughout and it does get more dramatic towards the end. Especially like an hour in, like the the halfway point of this two hour flick really shifts to a more dramatic film. Yeah, I absolutely. Like. Like absolutely. Right at right at the half. I'd say like Yeah. Yeah, around I I think around the time that you know Emma Stone is discovered by Rachel Vice like sleeping with the Queen, right? Um, I think right which, at that point, which happens about an hour in, yeah. And you know another thing about this film, it's because when you think about that scene coming into halfway through the film, and like so much happens before that scene, like so much happens in this movie, um, it feels a lot longer than it is not saying it's not well paced but i think because the scenes are so short and because the pacing is so well done they're able to fit a lot in in such kind of a short period yeah except then it's funny is that's like then you know the counter to that too is there's a couple parts where it's just like he'll really stick on certain shots too to drive home a point which i like both i think he does it twice that i remember off the top of my head and like both of those times like are very impactful in the movie. Um, Especially the ending. The ending, yeah, he does that. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, That was the main one. And then the other one is um, when Olivia Coleman sees Rachel Weisz dancing with the guy with uh, Masham. Mm. And she, it's like, yeah. it sticks on her for like 30 seconds to a minute. And then just like, that's like one of her greatest acting scenes too. It's like the change in her face from like kind of happy to getting like more and more annoyed and sad and like, just it's like really well done with you know no words being spoken um, now that you mention it um another scene that's a lot like that is when abigail is pushing her in her wheelchair uh and they stop to listen to the choir kids yep yeah and and it just holds on her until she's like uh like like you said from happy to like horribly upset yeah absolutely uh, the other thing I noticed too is like the um the use of the fisheye lens. Oh my god, I pre- love it. I love it so much. It's pretty interesting. I don't really um I liked it. I didn't it's funny, like, is that just like an artistic flourish choice or is there meaning behind it? You know what I mean? Like why why did he choose to do that in certain points? But I really liked it. The other thing I wanted to talk about is sort of a totality thing is and we could do it at the end or we could do it now, but just to bring it up is when, when you first watch this, the movie does a very purposeful job of in the beginning of kind of setting your expectations of who these people are. Right. And so 
if you were drawing it if you're drawing it as like a graph you have basically the queen kind of is like a straight line with bumps down and back right where she's kind of like you know a a a bitch and like a like a fucking infant you know has to be coddled to then like she's really nice and sweet and she has this like kind of history that makes you understand why she's like you know barely functional right and then for abigail you have her starting out when you meet her and like oh she's a really lovely person and like she's really been kind of you know hard struck in this world and then it kind of like goes down to like oh no she's evil and then Rachel Vice starts down and like, oh, she's kind of an evil bitch. And then like, she kind of sort of goes up, you know, and like, I was like, no, oh, no, she's, she's actually like a good person. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's funny is that well, a couple things. One, you could also have a different graph kind of set. You want like a over. pie chart? <laughs> no, no, no. Like a totally different graph, kind of like an overlay on the graph that you described. Uh-huh. But it's uh, it's uh, when Abigail is like winning in the queen's favor and then Sarah is losing and then it just goes back up and it goes back down. It goes back up and it goes back right. down. Um, what's a, another interesting point I wanted to bring up is that um, uh, Taylor decided to start watching this with me after um, or a- as uh, Abigail is caught sleeping with the queen. So so. Abigail is already kind of portrayed as like an evil cunt. And then Sarah is like trying to reprimand herself from that. And so the entire time Taylor is like rooting for Rachel Weiss. And I'm like, I'm not there yet. Cause I'm still like thinking like in the beginning of the movie and like what mm-hmm. Emma Stone had to go through to get to the position. I mean, she, she worked hard, you know, say what you want about her, but like, she did not want to die in poverty and she worked hard to get from point A to point B. So I was still rooting for her, but Taylor was like, Oh, down with Abigail all the way. And I was like, that's so, that's so funny how you can like, you can completely take a a different perspective and a different um, like position on this. When it, that what you're saying actually kind of proves the point I was making. Whereas like, the movie in the beginning is trying to establish like Abigail's a good person that you should root for. Rachel Vice is a bitch. You should not root for her. And she's sort of controlling the queen. She's mean to the queen. Um, and then as you go along, you realize it's like, no, she's not mean to the queen. She's treating the queen the way the queen, the queen needs to be like the queen only has these yes people around her. Abigail or uh, Sarah is the one person who, will tell her the truth and will like be brutally honest with her and protect her the way she needs to be protected. No, no, no. I a hundred percent. But another aspect that you have to look at it in is that everyone, like every single person in the movie is a total asshole to Abigail in the beginning. Like she gets masturbated to, she gets pushed into the mud, which we find out is shit. And then she gets like tricked into like going into the chambers before being able to wash up. And then she's like poisoned, like her hand is burned off with lye. She so it's like all this stuff happens to her where you as the audience, you you just like really feel like it takes almost to the very end of the movie. Not quite at the very end of the movie, but almost to the end of the movie for you to be like, wow. You know what it does? It takes her stepping on the bunny for me to 100% be like, that's that's the bad guy of the movie. 
I think when she gets drunk and like is flirting with someone else in front of her husband or when on her wedding night, she gives a, a very unenthusiastic HJ. But <laughs> I'm just like, Fuck you. well, that was they, an awesome scene. I love. <laughs> and I want to, I want to talk about the way Abigail's treated in the beginning when we start getting into it. But the other way to look at this movie too, that I thought was interesting is you can either look at it as like an arc for Sarah and for Abigail, like I described, or you can look at it as the audience learning the truth about Abigail. Like was Abigail. I like, a, that. I like that better. Yeah. Was Abigail a nice person who then became evil, which she kind of described. She's like, she's like, um, am I going to, you know, am I going to have morality or, or is, you know, is my morality going to help me when like, you know, I'm giving up my asshole to every like syphilitic sailor, you know, that, that right. you know, wants it. And right. so, but, but like, to me, the way I, when I first saw the movie and then I think it's like a little more gray, but when I first saw it, it was like, oh, she's just, she's been a bad person this whole time. And we're just realizing that. And like Sarah, has been a good person the whole time. And I think Sarah was a good person the whole time. I don't think she had an arc. I think she was a good person. And we were just presented as like, oh, she's mean and she's a bitch. She has this like biting like wit about her where she like constantly likes to, which, you know, you know me, that's like, I, I love to like constantly like shit talk because I just think it's fun, right? And that's what she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to Harley, to Abigail, like she like will constantly just kind of, you know, get, like say a barb to them to just, you know, just to have fun, to fuck around. And, but I think, yeah, she, the whole time is a good person who has the right intentions and her intentions are, you know, for the good of England. And, you know, the queen is her friend and she's trying to keep do her. Do you, see, that's the thing, the whole good of England shtick. Do you think the advice that she was giving was actually good advice? Because I, I didn't really know about their like political stature, like coming into this, like, who am I? Like, whatever. But it just felt like that advice. Like, I thought that Nicholas Holt's character was the one she should be listening to. I don't think we ever actually get an accurate answer on that, right? Because even at the end, Godolphin's like, oh, we sued for peace with the French and we had to give up more than we should have. And it's like, well, once again, that's his perspective. And he was like, oh, we need to fight further. Um, so it's like, I don't know that we ever get an answer of who was actually right on that. But I do think we at least know that Sarah was trying to do what she thought was best, even if she maybe didn't do it, you know, the right way all the time. Um, the The other thing that you kind of bring up is that does it even matter? how well or how bad they do uh, in the war. Cause, and I know, I know I'm a, you get annoyed when I, I say everything's just an allegory, but you have to kind of be impressed at the fact that they draw so many parallels to what is happening in the war, uh, to what is happening in the love triangle relationship. Like, like the the war is the like the setting of the war is almost just to amplify what's happening in the bedroom so to speak uh yeah i can see that a little bit i don't know as you're saying too a little bit i don't know that like what actually happens in the war matters all that much at least in the you know in the movie universe that we're we're watching right you know it's based on a true story but like partially right like the the, the lesbian triangle part of it probably isn't real 
but I, like all of the conflict from the war is kind of just to add more conflict to uh, Sarah and Anne's relationship. So Abigail it, can like move in. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a plot point though, right? It's just a, it's, you know, it's a plot point from Sarah is Lady Marlborough, whose husband is the, you know, the head general or whatever you would call it. And then um, also she uses that as a, uh, Abigail uses that as like a token to get Harley to do what she wants to advance herself, which we'll, we'll talk about. But I mean, really, let's just, I think we should just really get into it. Um, so, you know, it starts off with, and they, they cut this into scenes, right? And so the, you know, or not scenes, like parts, right? And so part one, we get this, like, you know, the queen and Sarah, Rachel Vise's, uh relationship and how like, you know, the queen is like, say hello to the bunnies. And Sarah's like, no, it's macabre. Um, which is funny because we don't know at that point that she basically just has a bunny for every child she's lost. Right. Um, and then we <laughs> then we find out that she gave her, a, she's going to build her a palace. And she's yep. just like, oh, why, why not? You know, I'm queen. I can do what I want. Um, and then we meet Emma Stone and the, the dude jerking off in the carriage and her... <laughs> Her reaction to it is so funny. Like her facial reaction is hilarious to it. Yeah, we don't even see we we just kind of like quickly see his hands go down his pants and then it's like a cut to her reaction. And we we just based on her reaction, we know it's happening. Right. Um and then she gets introduced to uh Lady Marlborough, who is her cousin, Abigail and and Sarah. And um I love when she's like, oh, I would hope to have a job. And she's like, oh, maybe you could be a monster for the kids. And when she does the cute little like, rawr, like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll do whatever. I just I just want to I want to uh, to be here. Um, that that part was in the trailer. I know it was. Yeah, I know. I saw that a little bit before that, I, before I that watched it. That part, <laughs> that part and the part where um, they're shooting their guns. Like they they cut those two scenes together to make it seem, you know, that's another thing I wanted to mention is that the marketing for this movie was very interesting because it was definitely marketed as more of a um, more of an action drama than it actually was like this. This movie is definitely a slow burn sort of film, and it was marketed as like more fast paced, which I thought was interesting. I wonder if that hurt it. Or helped it. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think it ended up doing okay. I um, I did read somewhere that like some of the studios were a little hesitant because they're like, oh, it's just a, a a talking movie with with three women, and it's like, oh, disgusting. Right? Yeah. And I think <laughs> now I think now they'd be like, oh fuck yeah, that's what we're looking for. That's what That'll we need. Tw- tw- uh, Twitter will love it. Um. <laughs> The next scene I want to talk about, I just don't want to talk about in depth, but I just love the duck racing. I love all of it. Everything that happens with the the men of the palace is awesome. Like from the duck racing to like the <laughs> fruit, the fruit throwing, like yeah. best part. Yeah, yeah. The dude holding his dick with his tiny hand. Yeah. Um, what I love about <laughs> the duck, the duck racing too. Later is when Harley Nicholas Holt is sitting with Godolphin, and Godolphin is just stroking his duck's neck. Right on his lap, like it's his dick. <laughs> just, just back and forth. And Harley's like, "Why do you have to bring him with you everywhere?" And he's like, "It's the fastest duck in England. He's gonna want to. It's someone's gonna want to steal it, 
good. And and then it comes back to another plot point where it's like when uh, Sarah is like in that whorehouse and she is like, oh, if you go to this park at this time, there's going to be a guy walking his duck. And that's how she gets out of that situation, which I find kind of funny. Yeah, it, the movie made it seem like that was going to be kind of a hard deal for her. And then like five seconds later, Godolphin shows up, which it's like, why couldn't she just be like, I'm a lady. I have a ton of fucking money. Like, let's just go get my money. We don't need to do all this. Maybe maybe it was tied up because her her husband was in the war. Maybe something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, the other thing, too, is like in the duck racing scene, um, Nicholas Holt comes up to Rachel Weiss and he's like, this palace will not stand. And Rachel Weiss is like, it will if we use the finest craftsman. <laughs> Nicholas Holt. I, I don't know if you've ever seen The Great with L L Fanning and him, but he plays a douchebag 18th century parliament dude. Well, it's funny too, because in the great, he plays the, the emperor of Russia, but it's right. the same vibe. It's the same vibe. And he's just like, he's just made for this kind of role. Right. No, he is absolutely like great in this. I mean, I, you know, I'll spoil it now, but one of my favorite lines when she's like, she's like, Oh, do you want to have sex with me? And he's like, no, Masham does. He's completely cunt-struck with you. And I was just like, holy shit, like, such a fucking great life. It's, it's, he's so good. Um, and, and I know this doesn't take place in the same, like, era, but his character in the menu also gives me that same sort of vibe. Yeah, he definitely, he, yeah, he definitely has a character that he's, like, great at. Um the next part where we're still just getting a little bit of like Sarah and the queen's relationship, but she's like, the queen comes out and she's like, who did your makeup? You look like a badger. And she's like, you can't meet the Russians like this. And then I love Olivia Coleman, like walking away, like sullenly. And then she like, as the, like the, the kid that's saying there, she's like, did you look at me? Look at me. How dare you look at me? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's so good. She's so good. There's a part where that, I don't know if it's the same kid, but um, she's walking through the hallways and she's like, where am I? Where am I? And and one of the guards, again, I don't know if it's the same kid. She, he's like, you're in the West Wing, madam. And she's like, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so the next thing we get is them uh, tricking Abigail into using lie and burning her hand. And one thing I want to say is like, they, you know, I guess they're shitty to her from the start, but it's like, are they just like a good judge of character that she's not a good person? Or is there, at one point she's like, oh, you know, they're, um, they're not, uh, they don't like fancy, like my, uh, my charm, right? They're not charmed by me. Um, you know, she's talking about the rest of the staff to Rachel Vice, And, uh, it's like, well, I don't know. Is she just like a, you know, does no one like her for good reason? Like, you know, or do do the people that work there know something that the audience does? Cause to us, we're like, Oh, why are you so mean to her? No, I think it's just cause it's like hazing. I think it's hazing the new kid kind of that. That's what I understood about. I was surprised that throughout the film, when she got to be a lady, when she got into like a little bit of a power position, there wasn't like a scene where she like goes into the maid quarters and like fucking, you know, gets revenge on them. I think that, She's so focused on Rachel Vice that it's like she couldn't even, you know, she couldn't think of anything else. But then also she just, she was more like, she was smarter and more calculating. 
in like what she was doing. So she didn't make a lot of sure. moves that would, sure. would get her in trouble, like, you know, unnecessarily. And well, she even says to Rachel Vice that when she comes back after the whorehouse part, she's like, you know, I was worried about you and, you know, I was a fear. I didn't want to go back to my former life. She's like, but now that I've won, we can be friends. You know what I mean? So she kind of probably felt the same way about the rest of the staff. Like I won, so I don't need retribution on you. Like I got what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, I think throughout the whole movie, it it's, keeps exemplifying that she's really intelligent. She has an education. She's really smart on like book smart wise. Right. But then she's also this like super, like almost a mastermind in her street smartness too. Um, and, but I think because she is so smart, she severely underestimates Rachel. But I mean, who knows though? I mean, look who kind of won out in the end. Nobody. But (laughs) what I mean, (laughs) what I mean by that is like, you know, she ultimately got what she wanted over Rachel's character. Yeah. Yeah. She got the queen, which was the, the prize in the movie. Um, so, uh, Abigail like sees this opportunity with the queen's gout to like, kind of, you know, fix her position. And she like, she gets these herbs and puts them on her leg and she's about to get whipped for it. But then the queen's like, Oh, that soothes me. What, what is that? And so she stops the whipping. Uh, Rachel Vise goes and stops the whipping of Abigail, which is funny. She gets brought in and this dude pulls down her dress and the, in the, cook in the kitchen is like what are you doing go do that in the stable and at first i was just like oh she's like go whip her in the stable she's like no go rape her in the stable what are you doing like if you're if you're going to do that don't do that in my kitchen it's insane it's insane how like like um like one of the best lines in this movie is when uh marsham walks into yeah abigail's uh room and she goes, are you here to uh, rape me or are you here to what? woo me woo me, or seduce me or whatever? And he goes like something like, don't be silly. I'm a gentleman. And she's like, ah, so rape then. Right. Yeah, and she like, it's just so in, it's entwined in their in their culture of this like time period. It's like, ah, it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. So, um. Rachel Weiss stops the whipping and then she's, you know, she's asking about, it. she's like, Oh, I just thought I could help the queen. And she says like, it seems you are too kind for your own good. And it's like, that's like a huge misread on this person that it's like Rachel Weiss's first mistake. Right. Um, the, the whole line is, it seems like you are too kind for your own good. And that, and that, um, that comes across as stupidity or like, that's the product of stupidity. Which is right. something that she she is not, you know. I, I love the line too. She was like, you know, yeah, my father lost me to like a fat German with a thin cock, but luckily he thought, you know, I had uh, women had their period twenty eight days in a month, right? Um, and then she gets her her own room, and uh, she's going to be her maid. And then we get to part two. So part two. That whole thing is interesting because this is kind of where Nicholas Holt really comes into trying to win Abigail over on his side. Right. Um, And he goes as far as like taking her out into the field and being like, hey, I want you to betray their trust. Tell me. Oh, and this this is funny, too, because this is right after Abigail catches Anne, the queen, 
yep. and Sarah having sex. So it's like this big lesbian secret. Because, um, mind you, uh, Sarah's married to the general, right? And then right. the queen is the queen. And it's it's a it's a lesbian affair, which would look frowned upon by the society. Real bad. I mean, rape is fine, but no, 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 no lesbians here. Um, but then on top of that, she's still like her initial her initial gut is to keep this close to her chest. And the fact that she gets found out by uh, uh, Nicholas Holt, uh, like stealing the book, which she didn't really steal the book, but she had to play it off like she stole the book so that he wouldn't go upstairs and find out. Right. But there's a point where he's like, should we go ask your lady? And then you hear a moan and she's like, no, no. <laughs> they they play like with the sound uh, in the movie, like a good deal where it's like you hear like something from a different scene played at a different time while another scene is happening. And I, I think it's really cool. I, I also love when she's like, I can't betray my lady. And he's like, oh, look at that Ren over there. And then pushes her over. And she's like, you know, think on it. No pressure. And then every time, like, after that, he just pushes something out of her hand or pushes her down or something like that. Um, the, you, you you mentioned the sound design of this movie, which is amazing. It's amazing sound design. Um, but also the soundtrack and the music of this film with, like, the daunting violins. Like, when uh, um, Abigail is scheming, she's, like, setting up to, like, sleep with the queen or to, to set up something. And then you constantly cut to like Rachel Vice's character doing something on some other part of the chateau, right? Um there's like this violin, so it's like and it just builds and builds and builds until eventually like the two scenes coincide and like the the payoff for like Abigail's misdeeds you know, are revealed or something like that. And it's it's like, it's this, it's almost like a horror movie if you think about it. No, yeah, yeah. It's definitely what it's going for. Um, there's also a part in this where Abigail does this like fake cough and the queen looks at her and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just caught a cold when I was getting those herbs for your leg. Yeah. And that, and that was like towards the beginning. Of this, of yeah, part two, right? And uh, Sarah's like, looks over at her and she's like, do you want to go shooting? But it's like, Sarah doesn't even notice what just happened. It was like the most obvious thing in the world, like that she was trying to curry favor with the queen. Uh, well, and I, don't then think, they go, I don't think, I don't think you're right. I think Sarah knew exactly what happened. Maybe, but she didn't do anything about it. So even if she knew it happened, she didn't, she didn't say anything to her about it. In fact, she started sending her to the queen instead of herself, like right after this. So if she realized it, she didn't realize it. She didn't realize the importance of it if she knew it was happening. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess. You're but right. so she, she takes her shooting right after this. And the shooting is just interesting because the shooting kind of how good uh, Abigail gets at shooting kind of coincides with how good she is in a position with the queen, like how much better she's getting over on Sarah. Um, yeah. I just think that is is interesting. Um, and she also like throughout this time, we see her flirting with Masham. Um, and you're like, you know, there's the weird scene in the woods and there's a scene in the hallway when she's like, you're actually following me. And it's like, these are all made for you to like root for her and think, oh, she's a normal person. And she's like, she actually loves this guy. 
um, until mm-hmm. it, like the movie keeps revealing itself that like, oh no, she's not a good person. But then we get to the dance and it is like a good, as I was saying earlier, it's like a good 45 seconds of just staring at Olivia Coleman's face and just this acting with her face. It's just like, you know, I don't know if that scene alone won her the Oscar, but it's just like so <laughs> great. That one uh, scene. Maybe the scene at the, the three minute scene at the end might've done it. Right. Um, but she's so amazing that she tells them to stop. And then this is when we find about the, uh, the lesbian romance, unless you like watch the trailer and knew what you were getting into. Um, and it's so funny, Abigail being in there and just like sneaking out, just like, Holy shit. I'm not supposed to know about this. Um, the library and her borrowing the book. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but because that is like, that is the moment where she's, she sees them. Right. Uh, when she has the book and she's in the library area, um, the way that is, uh, would would you say like her, um, Sarah letting Abigail go in the library and borrow the book is like her act of kindness towards Abigail. Right. Yeah. Partly. Yeah. I mean, making her a maid. Well, yeah, but then then that being used against her uh, when she finds out. Okay, I guess this is what I'm saying. The parallels of this, right? So Abigail is in the library because of the book that that Sarah gave her. And that's when she is there to find out that they're sleeping together. In reverse, when Sarah finds Abigail sleeping with the queen, the next scene is her throwing the books at her. Right. Um, and then I love just how upfront, like the veil is done, right? Like the veil is pulled back, how upfront she is. And she's like, I need you to leave before I stop. I start kicking you and I won't stop. Like that's, I don't know. I love the parallels of those two scenes. No, no, I agree. I agree. Um, there's only like, there's a couple of funny lines uh, from the rest of this though. I just want to go over before we move on. You know, uh, they're talking about the war and the queen's like, the people hate the war. And Sarah's like, they will hate when the French are sodomizing their wives. <laughs> um, and then we get the uh, the next shooting scene. Abigail trying to kind of, she kind of tries to broach like, hey, I'll keep your secrets, including your biggest secret. And that is then when Sarah shoots at her and she's like, oh, you know, there's no bullet in. It's weird, though. Sometimes right. you can like make a mistake with that. Um and it's like Sarah realizes what is happening, but it's like she wasn't she didn't realize she underestimated Abigail, right? And so she allowed this person to keep gaining access to the queen because she underestimated her when it she should have like heeded the warning then of like, oh, she knows I need to get her out of here. It's crazy because like the very like the most obvious manipulation tactic that abigail uses is like accidentally falling asleep in the queen's bed Mm -hmm. just to be like oh whoops and then just for that get naked in front of her yeah yeah and then like the very next scene is the sex scene with them yeah well and the last two things from the part two kind of lead into another point about that is like you know we talked about how sarah like treats the queen the way she needs to be treated, right? So uh, Abigail makes hot chocolate for the queen and for or for the queen and Sarah. And Sarah's like, you can't give the queen hot chocolate. She'll, she'll vomit. And the queen's like, I'm the queen. I can do what I want. And she's like, that's fine. We better bring a bucket. 
And then we see the queen eating sweets later on, like cake and shit. And like the servants have to just keep bringing her a bucket so she can throw up. And then right after this, uh, Sarah gets called into the queen's chambers and the queen is like standing at the window and Sarah's like, oh, are you going to jump? Aim for the grass. So you, you know, you won't spill blood on the, on the sidewalk or whatever. You know what I mean? And, she's, and then she just like pulls her on the ground and throws her. And she's just like, you know, quit being a child. It's interesting on, on, on something that you said. I didn't really notice this until now. Um, but uh, Sarah is like what the queen needs, but not necessarily wants. And then Abigail is what the queen wants, but not necessarily needs. And that keeps being uh, amplified by like the sweets versus or or the the giving and taking away of the sweets uh is 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 shown by that but then at the end where she throws up if she has sweets it's kind of sickening or she's sickened by the fact that now all she has is abigail like now all she has is sweets you know right right um we next get to part three and there's only kind of like this is actually a pretty short part but um, this is when Abigail first gets like one-on-one time with the queen and she like compliments the bunnies and Olivia Coleman's acting when she talks about her lost children. The bunnies is, is so great again. Like she, the way she just acts with her face and like the looks and right, you know, it's just, she's like so great at, um, and then this is juxtaposed in the same part with, uh, Sarah making fun of the bunnies again while they're horse riding and it's kind of driving, yeah. driving the queen away a little bit. Um, and there's also the scene with Masham trying to like seduce her wearing Harley's wig and she like kind of bites his lip and kicks him out. And, uh, and he's like, Harley, this wig's fucking stupid. He's like, okay, well do it your own way. I thought that was funny. Um, you're, you're right though. When you said like everything between her and Masham, between Abigail and Masham is like trying to make you feel like, this is what Abigail wants. I mean, it is, but it's not like she wants Masham. She wants his status, right? But the way the scenes play out is like, she actually likes him. But but then the best part of this whole thing, like like this is just pieces of a movie, right? Like nothing's really come together at this point, except when she goes to Nicholas Holt and she's like, I have a favor to ask you. And if you do me this, I'll do you this. And then uh, I love, he's like, why don't you just go to the queen and ask her to do it herself? And she's like, I don't want the queen to think that I'm asking anything from her, which is right. super smart because that works out so well in the end. Because when Ab- when uh, Sarah confronts the queen and he, she's like, oh, Abigail has been using you this whole time. Don't you see it? And then the queen's like, Abigail hasn't asked anything from me. Well, and then Sarah's like, yeah, she hasn't she hasn't asked for anything from you, but somehow she's married a lady and you're giving her two thousand dollars a year, but she yeah. hasn't asked for anything. Um, it's just like the queen's not smart enough to see it because she's like she didn't ask me herself. I don't know, you know, it just worked out that way. Yeah, um, exactly. We get to part four. We already talked a little bit about this when uh, Abigail's like pushing around the queen. They see the the children, you know, playing, and she yells at them. And she runs off and then grabs a baby at one point, and the lady's like, "Ma'am, I need this baby back." basically like you get 17 kids like you can't be trusted with babies so give me this back um 
And then there's the scene where Abigail is dancing with the queen and it's dancing like as the shooting is going on from the next scene between Abigail and, uh, and Sarah. It's like pretty cool. Like how it just breaks into that scene. And, and now Abigail is actually a better shot than Sarah. She's like winning their little contest of who can shoot the birds. <laughs> yeah. 12, 12 to 11. I think the score is when that scene starts. Yeah, and then she's like, I will not, you know, Sarah's like, I will not burden you with the queen anymore. You know, it's my job. And then she takes a shot again, and she gets blood all over Sarah. Um, and then the guy comes down, and he's like, you know, oh, the queen wants wants her. You know, the queen wants you. And, and Sarah's like, oh, me? And she's like, no, the wants Abigail. And the, way and the she hesitation of his voice. Yeah, and then Sarah walks up there and grabs her by the neck and basically goes all Trump on her. Um, grabs her by the pussy and is like, you're just trying to make me jealous. Uh, I like how the whole thing was like, um, just the way these scenes fall together is they wanted to like race the lobsters and then eat the lobsters. And then when Nicholas Holt confronts Abigail and is like, what are they planning? What do they have like in store? What are they talking about? And she's like real coy. She's like, Oh, they just wanted to, to raise some lobsters and then eat them afterwards. And then Nicholas Holt's like, are you fucking with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause I love, he's like, he asked for an update and she tells him that. And he's like, do you want to get punched? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she starts crying. He's like, okay, please stop the crying. Go on. Um, and uh, so then Harley does this really smart. Just, you know, she tells him about the doubling of the tax. So then Harley like goes into when they're in parliament is like, Hey, I just want to thank you queen for not raising the tax. Cause you said you wouldn't. And that's such a smart decision because everyone hates this war. Olivia <laughs> Coleman's just like, Oh, what do I do? Oh, and faints. <laughs> you think that was a real faint or, or um, like I, what I really like is she's like, Oh, um, people were laughing at me. I wasn't conscious, but people were laughing at me. Right. And they were like, and, and, uh, and, uh, Sarah, I don't know. Yeah, Sarah. Who the fuck Anne is. Um the Queen. But oh yeah, that's right. Uh Sarah was like, I I would be the one to laugh at you and I wouldn't even dare. Or something like that, right? And no, then she's like, she was like, Oh, they were calling me fat, and she was like, I'm the only one that would call you fat, and I didn't. It was something like that, right? But then she's like, I heard the word fat. Fat was definitely <laughs> said somewhere <laughs> in the room. Yeah. Um there's also this weird scene as this is going on with Masham and Abigail in the woods where they keep chasing each other and tripping. And she's like, Oh, I will marry you. And he's like, I can't marry a, a, a maid. I can only enjoy one, which is funny. Cause isn't he just the dude who gets horses for people? I don't know what Masham is. I mean, he has to be a Lord if she married him and be, she became a lady because of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then right after this, uh, and you know, and, so Masham says that, and then she goes, well, I will fix it for us. And this is when the plan starts, right? So she goes and lays naked in the queen's bed. She gets caught. And then immediately the queen calls her back, which by the way, you could have gotten caught by Anne just, or by Sarah just as easily. Right. Really? Oh, no. like, yeah. A hundred blows up in your face. But so she gets called back immediately to rub her legs. And it's like, everyone knows what that means. And she just like goes for it. Um, I guess. And, Oh, she, I mean, she definitely went for it, right? Oh, no, she definitely went for it. Yeah, yeah, Um, And then Sarah walks in on them. And this is interesting for a couple of reasons. So, you know, we always talk about, like, 
the nudity in movies, right? And I read that there was not supposed to be nudity in this and that Emma Stone, it was her idea. She's like, why don't I just do it naked? Like, wouldn't that make more sense? And the director's like, I mean, that's like completely up to you. Like, if you want to. Emma Stone's like, why don't I just pop a titty out? (laughs) Just just this one. Um, And then I guess uh, Olivia Coleman was like, no, you shouldn't do that. Like, there's no need for it. Don't do it. And then she ended up doing it. And like, you know, as long as it's her decision, that's fine. But what I love about this scene is as Sarah walks out, the eye opening from Emma Stone. I was going to mention that. And I was also going to mention that there was like a almost nudity earlier in the movie when she's like bathing with the other girls. You see you see all the well, no, you were saying there wasn't supposed to be nudity at all because you saw a bunch of other maids naked. I I don't know. I didn't I didn't look. I didn't notice. Um, But I think I don't noticed all the naked people in Starship Troopers, but you didn't notice all the naked people here. I saw that movie when I was 12. I saw this movie when I'm 35. I've grown. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> 20 something years. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't notice any other nudity. I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and give it a second watch. Uh, yeah, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Um, so next, uh, and then Sarah fires her, right? And she's like, I will start kicking you as you said. And then when she goes to tell the queen I've dismissed her, she looks up as they're going to the carriage and Abigail is there. Oh, you're missing the part where Abigail beat the fuck out of her face with a book. I'm not missing it. It ha- it happened. I don't really get the point of it, though. I guess that's why, because it feels like the queen would have kept her anyway. The book part seems unnecessary because the, because she's like, you will dismiss her. And the queen's like, no, I won't. I like the way that her tongue feels inside of me. <laughs> Which is like, which is the coldest re like it's it's the coldest thing she she could have said. But it's also like a perfect line reading of like a child, right? Because the queen is basically like a child. Well, yeah. it's fucking weird for a child to say it. But what I mean is just in the way of like, <laughs> in the way of like, well, no, but I like this thing, even though you're telling me all these facts. I don't care about that because I like this. I like ice cream. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, so it's like I don't know. It's just it's. I like the way ice cream feels inside of me. Everyone does. <laughs> um, no, it's just that that. Okay, so yeah, so Abigail and that look as she's leaving um, the the bedside, and then that look that they share when they're approaching the carriage, um, and and like you said, like that childlike stubbornness where she sees Abigail and Sarah leans over to Anne and she's like, "You have to get rid of her," yeah, like she's a thief and a liar and the queen is like that's your opinion that's clearly not mine right yeah uh so then we get to the bath scene which is funny because so abigail's like oh i'm 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 winning you know i'm i've gotten this maid position right and she's like oh she feels safe and then sarah shows up gets in the bath does this like mustache thing and on the ride back, the queen is like falling asleep on Sarah's shoulders. And Sarah's just like, you're going to be back on the street in fucking no time. Um, and this is when this and, you know, Sarah then goes in the room with the queen. She's like, you're trying to make me jealous. And she's like, I am. And it's working. And I, I love to be loved. And she's like, I'm not I'm not getting rid of her. And I feel like we can talk about this more when it happens. But I feel like Sarah, her misplay here was instead of like. If she wanted the queen 
to to like get rid of Abigail, she needed to withdraw herself from the queen instead of like attacking the queen and threatening the queen. Like that's I think the major misstep for her as presented by the movie, right? Yes and no, because you also have to realize that that's how she shows her love for the queen. Um, so if she like, I don't know, it it wouldn't be really the way she de- she shows emotion to the queen if all of a sudden she starts. Like, are you saying if she just completely reels it back, or if she like starts being like coddling and loving like Abigail? No, no, I'm big. saying like. I'm saying, like, leaves her. Like, you know, leaves the palace for a little bit. And she's just like, I'm going to go home. Well, it kind of worked, right? Because that's kind of what she did. And then uh, that's when she got knocked out with the with the poison tea that Abigail dosed her with. And so that whole time that she was gone, uh, the queen basically went through withdrawals. She's like, oh, I don't need it. I don't need that bitch like that. She, No one go look for her. She can rot in hell. And then, like, in the middle of the night, she's like, Sarah, Sarah, and my favorite, like, it's super comedic part is where she t- yells at the little boy to like bring me to Sarah. They go into the room, and she's like, "Find me, Sarah!" And he just like goes with the lantern, he like he looks around. around. <laughs> she's not in here. Uh, yeah, no, it's really funny. Um, so back to it, like Abigail's talking with Masham about like giving up her morality for safety, basically, right? You know, we talked about it a little earlier. And this is right after this, she spikes Sarah's tea at like the first opportunity she gets because she's like, I'm going to lose to Sarah because I just I haven't known the queen as long. So I need to get rid of her. Sarah knows her tea is spiked and she's been poisoned and her she decides to ride off. Like, what is she where's she going? I think she's just going for a ride, like to clear her head. That's that's kind of what it made me think but she knows she was poisoned she knows immediately she takes a sip and she looks up at abigail like what the fuck so i took that as she doesn't know for sure but she thinks maybe like for a second that could have happened but she's like nah that 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 bitch wouldn't be wouldn't dare to do that to me and then it was like yeah she she did there this cuts directly to a, a naked jester having fruit thrown at it by harley and then Abigail goes up to Harlan. She's like, I will get you an audience with the queen, but you have to tell her that Masham and I should be married. And uh, he's, <laughs> Harley's like, why? Like, what, don't you care about your country? And she's like, my thing is what I want to talk about right now. <laughs> and then she's, and he's like, which side are you on? She's like, I'm on my side always. Like both of those are such like cold blooded lines from her. And it's like, when you realize like she is not what we thought in the beginning, that's like the start of it for sure. The, the part where he is like, Oh, so, you know, don't you care about your country? That's still in his favor. Like her making the deal with like, I'm going to be like the worm in the queen's ear for you. But you have to do this one thing for me. You know, that that's like. <sighs> he cares about his country, right? Like they they him and and. Um, uh, Good What's her face? And Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, uh, he and Sarah both care about the country, but they just have opposing viewpoints on it. No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
But the um, way that's played where uh, he's just like, he tells the queen like this, you know, this is what should happen because, you know, Marsham has been struck, stricken by her. And then the way she like informs, she's like, oh, did you know that Marsham kid likes you? And and then Abigail's like, what? Me? I mean, I kind of like him, but I couldn't marry him. You know, his status and the queen's like, oh, your only concern is him. No, you two will be married. And then she like writes a fake. What's funny is she, uh, in the end of this, they get, um, they go after Lady Marlborough because she stole seven grand, which like, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think we ever know for sure. Like it could have happened, right? But I don't think so. Um, but the queen's just writing a fake gambling debt in the in the ledger every two every month for $2,000 that she's giving to them, you know, that she doesn't really have to. Right. Um, it's just, it's just funny. And, uh, yeah, so that's mostly, we actually, we just got to part six and that's most of it. Right. Um, and there's also the scene where she jerks off her husband. He's like, she's talking about Abigail's talking about how she's more worried about Sarah. Now that she's gone, <laughs> he's like, I am rock hard. <laughs> um, so Sarah being dragged through the woods and then being found by like the prostitutes is kind of low key hilarious. Like she wakes up and then she's like, Oh, I got to get out of here. And then one prostitute is like, you're, you're not leaving here. Which like you said, seemed to like hint at a, as it being a bigger problem than it actually ended up being. Well, they were like, you're going to have to start sucking dick to get out of here. And I'm going to take 20%. <laughs> yeah. This seemed like the type of venture where she was never going to be able to get out of it is what you get from this, right? That like she was charging such a percentage. She was getting such a percentage from them and she was charging them such an amount for rent that they were never, you couldn't pay your way out of this. You could just like continue S and D's and taking D's up an A and bunch of letters you know what i mean so EJs and hjs and other things that end in 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 jobs but um, i don't think people were paying for hjs it's <laughs> 50 cents on the on the dollar um but no like you said like she's like what happened to my horse i bet you guys ate it uh like like you're a bunch of barbarians and then she's like oh i sold your horse but you still owe me so much more money What's what's funny too is like what they don't realize is that like Sarah is in a position to have them all killed. Right, there's that too. Yeah. And they don't realize how lucky they are and like how stupid they're being. And it's like this subtle plot point that doesn't even matter. Cause at the end when Godolphin shows up, he, he's like, Did they rape you? And she's like, No, they didn't. But th- they did offer me a job if I ever needed it. So and boy, is she going to need it later on in this film. The other funny thing is that she has this like super nasty scar on her face. And and the way she tries to seduce the queen afterwards and the queen just like pushes her off the bed and she's like, OK, good night. Good night, Sarah. Yeah, it was funny. She's like, oh, if I was a man, it would be quite striking. And the Sarah's like, And the queen is like, it does not work for me at all. Did you obviously not not into guys? Um, did you notice how, I don't, I don't, this had, I know this is like a period piece and this was like part of the time, but like the more involved that like 
Abigail and Sarah got into Anne's life, the more both of them dressed more masculine. And then like Nicholas Holt and all the guys, like like the more feminine they dressed. I thought that was an interesting, like that, that was an interesting uh, low key thing, like costume wise. I didn't notice that at all. Um, They all dressed like ladies to me. With their wigs <laughs> well, no, because like makeup. So when uh when Rachel Vice comes in to choke her, being like, "Hey, I know what you're doing," she's wearing this like vest sort of thing. She's not wearing a big dress, and she's been wearing dresses through the whole movie. But she's wearing like a like a vest with like stockings and stuff. I mean, they all wear stockings, but you you know what I mean. I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of an interesting play on the costume there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's not something I noticed. Furthermore, I don't think if you explain it with any more examples that I'm still going to notice it. So, Oh, I'm I'm done with my examples. One, uh, There's a couple of funny lines in this part, part six, that I want to talk about before we get to Sarah returning. But um, Harley says, oh, he, when he's talking to the queen in the garden, he's like, I want to talk about your, your maid. And the queen's like, Abigail? And he's like, I think that's her name. Like trying to be really coy about it, yeah. I don't think he was trying to be really cool. I think he didn't fucking know her name. <laughs> no, I think he did. I think he just really wanted to play it like nonchalantly, you know? It's super cash. Yeah, either way, I don't know. I thought the line was funny. Um, and then uh, Sarah returns and, you know, oh, oh, I forgot about the, um, when they're planning on whether to send reinforcement for uh, General Marlborough and, uh, you know, they're fighting over it. And then Abigail's like, isn't it like going late to a party? If the party's going well, they'll resent you showing up. And da, da, da. <laughs> Godolphin's like, it is nothing like going to a party. And the queen's like, no, I think it quite is. Um, I didn't really understand. Uh, again, I'm just kind of bad with mid 18th century politics. I didn't quite exactly w- understand what they were comparing to a party. The war? Yes, yeah, sending reinforcements. Okay, because they use that example or they use that like calling it a party like for the rest of the film. And I was like, okay. Well, the queen, because she was finally like involved, she was using it. But um, it was just it was just that one example, really. Isn't it funny how she was like super incompetent and super uninvolved when um, uh, Sarah was around because Sarah took care of everything? But then when Sarah was gone, she actually had to be the one to, like, actually know what she was talking about. Yeah, but there's also, like, a part of it where she just seemed to get a little lucky that things worked out. That, you know, Marlboro didn't need the reinforcements when he did, right? Um, What's funny, though, is, like, they said, oh, you know, things are going well. And then she's like, all right, well, you know, send them to the party. Basically, send the garrison from the coast. And so she does that. And then... You would assume that they won that battle, right? And then Godolphin and Lady Marlborough have, for the whole movie, had been saying, like, yeah, we need to win one more battle and then we go for peace from the French. So if they won that battle and then sued for peace from the French, you would assume that's like what they were saying they wanted to do the whole time, but they're acting mad about it at the end, which is like either like, I don't know, it, maybe it kind of goes to show, like, oh, you know, they are just a little bit war hungry. And they're like, no, we just need to, you know, kill the French into submission. Or it's like, I don't know, maybe the movie just kind of lost the plot on that part, on the war part of it. Um, Maybe maybe that's true. But then again, it's because the war 
isn't really the main story that they're wanting to tell in this. You know, it's secondary. It's a B story, if you will. Right, right. Yeah, it's a minor work. Um, so Sarah returns. I like when she's like, oh, the servant is dressed as a lady. And then she kicks everyone out. And Abigail's like, admits to everything. And is like, you know, I think we can be friends. And then she slaps her. And Abigail's like, I'm going to let that go. But, you know, I won't let it go again. Um, and then Sarah doesn't tell, you know, you talked about the funny scene where the queen kicks her off the bed. But Sarah doesn't tell the queen that she was drugged by Abigail because she's just like, she won't believe it. You know? It won't matter. Yeah. It won't matter. And then she has this like eye patch thing. She's like, what are you wearing? And she's like, oh, I thought it wouldn't repulse you. And she's like, it's better. And so this is the point where I think Sarah overplays her hand. It's part seven. And she brings her the letters and she's like, I will tell everyone about these letters and you will lose like all of your standing because, you know, everyone's going to find out that you're a lesbian. And the queen does like the exact opposite of what she asked for. She's like, banish Abigail and, you know, put my people in power. And then the, it cuts to Sarah looking at a letter and then burning all of the letters. And then burning all of the letters. Yes. And I couldn't yes. tell if the queen had sent her something that made her do that. But upon second watch, it looks like Sarah has a change of heart on her own and burns the letters is what I think. So here's an interesting parallel is that I took it that she had an interest. Uh, she had a change of heart mm-hmm. and took it upon herself to burn the letters. As she does this, the queen is like, go fetch her the biggest fucking key in the world. Okay. Yeah. And then <laughs> this bejeweled key. It's the key to get in the door, right? Had to be, it had to be big. Cause if you lost it, there's not like a, how many locksmiths <laughs> do you have? You know, it, it's a key to get into the back door. Right. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Metaphorically and, and actually. So but the, the interesting part about that is that in the beginning, when uh, uh, Sarah told Abigail, your kindness is going to be your product of stupidity, like you're too nice for your own good. The fact that she already burned the letters, then she was banished. That means she has nothing. She has no leverage. So so she was too nice, and it, it screwed her over. Right, yeah. But I think this is also, this is the point where she kind of fucks up. She's like, that's it, I'm done playing around, and she threatens the queen, and the queen's like, nah, fuck, fuck it, I don't Because it also is like, you know, Sarah is a powerful person too, and so it would ruin her to have these letters come out too, might ruin her marriage. Um. So it may be like the queen's just like, nah, that's an that's an empty threat. Calling her bluff. Yeah. So the queen kicks her out and then she goes through the back door to to try and get the queen to talk to her. And she's like, you know, Abigail did this. She doesn't love you. And the queen's like, How, why? Why does she not love me? Because I'm ugly. You know, I wish you loved me like she does. And she's like, I won't lie to you. You know, she she is just lying to you. I won't. That's why. Like, that's how I love you. Um. And she's like, I will leave, and I'm, you know, I'm never going to come back. And the queen just, like, lets her go. Um, and then the queen makes Harley the new PM, kicks out, you know, Prime Minister, kicks out Godolphin. And there's this, right after this, you have Abigail is moving in to Sarah's quarters while Sarah is still there. And she's at certain points like, oh, no, we're going to keep that and that. And it's like, well, is that Sarah's stuff you're keeping, right? 
And Sarah says this line, and I want to talk about the ending now to talk about this part. Sarah says this line where she's like, oh my gosh, you actually think you've won. And when I first was watching the movie, I was like, all right, so Sarah's going to come back and, and take over. But what what that line actually means is like, oh, you think you've won. You don't realize that this isn't what you want. You don't right. want this. You're not going to be able to handle this, and you're not going to be happy with it. Which we find out at the end of the movie that she is not happy about it. You know what I mean? No, like with the way no. it ends. Yeah, it's 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 what you it's what you think you wanted, not what you actually um was trying to achieve. And what's funny too is like there's this great scene where Abigail is like the height of society, right? She's like throwing glasses into the furnace. She's kissing other guys. She's telling the juggler to juggle more fire. Uh, she's great. It's life is good for her, right? And then the queen beckons her, and uh, she has to do some sort of like fucking gross foot task again, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing with that is that it's like she hasn't realized yet, and this is when it dawned on me, is that. She's now a slave to the queen. She is she is a whore. Like like she was trying to get out of that in her like younger age and, and at the beginning of the film. But she is still that now. Like that part of her hasn't changed, you know? Well, and it feel and it felt like too, Sarah like actually enjoyed the sex with the queen. She didn't do it because she felt she needed to, right? It felt like when she did it, she was like, she liked it. And she's like, oh, well, you're going to have to sleep with her. And you don't like that, right? You're just doing it because you have to. You're like the way that you like jerked off that thin cock to German because to survive. Right, right, right. right. To survive and to and to <laughs> thin cock to German. You mean the German's thin cock. He was a thin cock to German. It's a descriptive of the German man that he had the thin cock. All right. It's just such well, a way to describe it too. Like it's not a small, it's thin. thin <laughs> like a pencil. Like a piece of paper. <laughs> a piece of paper. A piece of paper. <laughs> it <laughs> flaps in the wind. God bless it your catch, wife. Catches the sail. Um the <laughs> the thing the yeah, so I mean but that's the whole point, right? Like at the very end of the movie, you, you come to the conclusion that the queen is not happy and and Abigail isn't happy. And they're just like in this like horrible, toxic relationship. Yeah, I want to talk. I want, I want to go into greater detail when we get it to it. But so we get to part eight and immediately Abigail is like you like it just shows her as the worst. Right. She's got she's painted all over like Carly. She's like throwing something, you know, throwing a glass. She's drunk. She's flirting with some dude sitting in his lap, like with her husband sitting right there, which is this funny. Was, this was Emma Stone's audition for Harley Quinn. <laughs> Boo. Um, and then the queen asks her to come in. And it's also funny, too, is that throughout this uh, this part, like you can see the queen is deteriorating, like her face yeah. is droopy. She can barely move. Um, what is because- that? Is that is that gout or is that like some sort of palsy? Well, they they say gout earlier. I'm not sure. But what it shows you is that Sarah isn't there to take care of her. The person who was keeping her healthy 
telling her not to eat cake, telling her to do this, like keeping her in good spirits isn't there. Right. And the person who is there doesn't care about her. And so she's like slowly dying. Um, and at the same, you know, she goes in drunk and the queen's like, oh, I'll call the doctor for you. And then Godolphin is talking with Sarah and she's like, write a letter, you know, fix things. And when Sarah finally does, you know, uh, Abigail throws it away. Right. And at this point, you know, Abigail had had told the queen that they stole the money and the queen didn't buy it. And Abigail leaves and she's like, fuck, fuck, like I fucked up. But it ended up not mattering because um, because the queen didn't get a letter. She just wanted to believe anything. And I love when she sends the people to kick them out of England. She's like, Sarah's a traitor. Her and her husband should be out of England. And Sarah sees all the people coming up. And she's like to her husband, who is played by Mark Gaddis, who is uh, Sherlock's brother in Sherlock. Right. Um, she's like, you know, I think we should go to France right now. And he's like, what? And then he looks up and the look he gives is just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm thinking about le- le- leaving England for a while. Um, I, yeah. Uh, the <sighs> yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about the ending of this film before, or like earlier today, before we started recording, and you were like, you know, his this director's movies end in a way that um, it's not a hundred percent satisfying. You know, you're not gonna get ever get a satisfying ending from this director but you get an ending that you kind of deserve or more so like the characters in the movie deserve um there's not really like a good person and if there is then i guess it would be sarah yeah but so i guess it, getting kicked out of england instead of getting like what beheaded is like a better deal for her well the the reason the ending is satisfied right and so we see uh abigail like step on one of the bunnies and then smile about it and the queen sees this happening right and she's like oh fuck like the queen's like what have i done abigail goes over to her and it's like a three minute scene of her like basically getting the queen off you know rubbing her legs is the what they call it right and it like focuses in on abigail's face for a while emma stone you know does a great job of like just showing with her you know her facial acting like oh like fuck like i fucked up this is my life now and the queen showing oh i fucked up this like they both realize neither of them wants to be around the other person and sarah who's like had to deal with both of these is now like free of them yeah. so honestly it's like not a bad deal for her except um, she's now kicked out of england into poverty because she has i i doubt she can take anything with her to wherever she's going i'm sure she'll be all right you know maybe she can sell secrets to the french maybe uh maybe you can explain to me why this is all juxtaposed to all the rabbits with the like the overlay transition at the end the only explanation which i read before we started was that the queen you can see it in her face too like i said she realizes that like Anne isn't you know, Abigail isn't like someone she wants to be with. She's lost Sarah. Like the only real person she cared about is like, now all she has is the rabbits. Right. And the rabbits are like, you know, her happiness, but they're also this thing that reminds her of all her children dying. So it's just like this. It's oh, it's like kind lost. Of, it's like loss on top of loss sort of. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, it just shows like the horrible place. Like the queen is in basically is my pop psychology reading. So, you know, this this got nominated for Best Leading Actress, 
Best Supporting Actress, both in uh, Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone. And then this also got nominated for Best Picture, but only one for for um, Olivia Coleman. Best Actress, Olivia Coleman. And uh, I guess because those two other... See, this is... I don't know if I agree with the Academy on this. For me, Emma Stone is the main character. She's a villain, but she's like an anti-hero she's but she goes through the biggest arc um but if olivia coleman won the won the best actress um title then i guess the academy is saying that queen anne is the main character what what are your thoughts about who exactly the main character in this film is um i don't think I think it's uh, like looking at it. Well, one, I, I read something on this about the time that each is on the screen. And I think it's fairly evenly divided, but I don't think, I think Olivia Coleman has slightly less than the other two. It's really just, I mean, with the Academy Awards, you submit yourself into what category you want. And so that's just the way they try to do it. Um, if you were rewarding one of these three performances, I think they got that right as far as who won. Mm, okay like i think um but i'm not disagreeing on that i'm just disagreeing on the category but yeah but that's not the academy's doing that's the people who go up for it so um that's just a little bit of a category fraud to try and get you know nominations and wins right i mean because really they're all in it for like close to 50 minutes or over 50 minutes so all three of them could have gone up for best actress right um but maybe they didn't want to like oversaturate the market. Yeah, yeah. And I like, mean, yeah. That's like the point of it is just trying to give them the best shot of winning. Um, but I'm I like, I, I still think Emma Stone was the main character. <sighs> yeah. I don't know, man. But I could also see Rachel Vice. I definitely don't think the queen is not, is definitely not the main character of this. It's, it's these two people going back and forth, right? Antagonist, protagonist, and that sort of changes along the way for us, right? As we think right. our protagonist is Abigail, and then as we get towards the end of the movie, it's like, no, our protagonist, the person we care about, we empathize with, is Rachel Weisz's character. So, um, in, in a lot of the same way, like with Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, Jack Sparrow isn't the main character, but he, he chews the scenery quite a bit kind of like how Olivia Coleman does for this, right? But William Turner's the main character. But he he's not as like his his screen presence isn't as big as Johnny Depp's. So it's like, I don't know. For me, I think kind of overshadowed there, but I think Emma Stone is the one with the most to lose at the end. Well she's the one that does lose the most even when she thinks she is winning. So, yeah, I mean, it's a cool story. I really I really like it. I really found it interesting. Like I thought the the story in and of itself was one that hasn't been told very often, like not the fact that it's a like a lesbian love triangle in the 18th century, but the fact of this like winning, but not really winning, thinking you got what you want, but not really sort of thing that is what I found like super compelling and super different from, from usually what I've seen, how these stories go. What about you? 
Yeah, no, I, I liked it a lot. I mean, the other thing that just made me realize is we need to do the killing of the sacred deer and the lobster, which are both also directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, two, two, I've never seen the. I don't know if I have the heart to do killing of sacred deer. Well, too bad because we're doing it. So, um, I, he's just like a very interesting director. Um, and it's like you know, seeing Dogtooth, I was like. When you see someone's like first movie like that, you're just like, oh, this guy's, you know, you can tell kind of right away. And so you had always told me about this movie, the favorite that you're like, oh, it's really great. I really loved it. I think at one point you said it was your favorite movie of this year. Um, of like, 2017, oh, yeah. Because yeah. when we watched the Oscars, you like chose this to win everything. You're like, this should win everything. Um well, so the four, just... the four, the three categories. It is yes. I think I thought Emma Stone should have won Best Actress. Uh, Olivia Coleman won Best uh, uh, Actress, uh, Supporting Actress for Emma Stone. Uh, main Actress for Olivia Coleman, which she did. And then I really, really fucking thought that this was going to win Best Picture. This unfortunately lost to Green Book, which no one was happy about. Um. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, Roma was the one I think that was supposed to win. You also have A Star is Born, Black, Black Klansman, Black Panther was nominated. Just crazy that a Marvel film was. Um, For Best Picture? Yeah. Did anyone watch the ending to that movie? Black no? Panther? Yeah, it was horrible. I hated the ending. We're not doing a Black Panther. Anyway, love this movie, um, and that's all I really got to say about that. So, Bye. Thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And today I finally watched The Favorite. Now we say bye. Bye bye bye.